All right. So if you want a title, I'm calling it Embarrassed Ezra. Can you chicken wing someone and say Embarrassed Ezra? Embarrassed Ezra. So we want to stop talking about victory and start walking in victory. Is this microphone on? I, don't, I didn't get some passion back. I said, we want to start, stop talking about victory and start walking in victory. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Pauline. Pastor Mum. Thank you, Pastor Mum. So, embarrassed Ezra. Embarrassed Ezra. So, who is Ezra? Does anyone, can I have a show of hands if anyone confidently could tell me who Ezra is? Great. I'm going to teach you. So, this book here, this book here is called a Bible. It's very good. If you're a Christian, if you're a disciple, I encourage you to get a Bible. On, there's these things called iPads, and there's things called phones. I prefer an iPhone. Some people have Samsungs. <coughs> Lesser. But, um, those things have app stores, and you can download a Bible from an app store. And so in these books, the Bible is actually a collection of books. And so one of those books is called Ezra, right? So I'm going to explain this to you. So if you go to the book of Ezra, so if you have a physical Bible like myself, you open it up in the middle, and there'll be a book of Psalms, spelt with a silent P at the start. So it, it's spelled Psalms, but it said Psalms. So you get to that book, Psalms, you'll chuck a left, and if you get to 1 Samuel, or if you get to Kings, or if you get to Chronicles, you're too far left. You've got to go a little bit more right, and then if you find Job, you're too far right. And so it's in between Chronicles and Job, and there you find Ezra, all right? So hopefully it's there, otherwise your Bible's faulty. So we're going to go to the book of Ezra, chapter 7, verses 6, and this tells us who Ezra is. It says this, This uh, was Ezra, a scribe who was well-versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given to the people of Israel. Pause. So Ezra knew his version of the Bible very well. He was a Bible scholar, so that's what we know. So we know that Ezra knew his Bible well. Continue reading. He came up to Jerusalem from Babylon, and the king gave him everything he asked for, because the gracious hand of the Lord his God was on him. Let's pray. God, right now, we thank you that this is a holy moment. We don't want to uh, just leave this place hearing some talking, God, but we want to have a heart transformation. So Holy Spirit, awaken us, open up our spiritual ears, physical ears, spiritual eyes and physical eyes, that we can have a download from heaven, and we just believe that, that we can have a distraction-free moment, that we can hear what you're saying to us, and leave this place knowing you better, and ultimately living the life that you'd want us to live. And we all said, I'll have what he's having. Okay, so Ezra chapter 7 verse 6 said, he came, talking about Ezra, up to Jerusalem from Babylon, and the king gave him everything. Can somebody say everything? Everything he asked for, because the gracious hand of the Lord his God was on him. Point one, favor ain't fair. Can somebody say that? Favor ain't fair. Favor ain't fair. So we, now we're in November. Has anyone got a Christmas tree up? No Christmas trees up. In the first service, people did have a Christmas tree up. So it's November. Christmas trees are coming up. And so Christmas is coming. Yes? Who's, who's already got presents being bought? Presents? I am. I've got ideas circulating. So I am one of four siblings, right? And so uh, I, I grew up in the Adelaide Hills. And so um, before I continue that story... I'll say this. So in my family growing up, a good Christian family, 
around November, early December, a Christmas tree would find its way in our house and then slowly presents will start magically appearing, wrapped, ready for Christmas morning. And so then, being a good kid, you go to the Christmas tree and you look at the presents and then you pick it up to Liana. Oh, yeah? To Josh. Wait, what? Why hers bigger than mine? But never mind. So, you, so you, you see your little present. Sometimes because they're smaller doesn't mean they're more... Sometimes it more, might be more valuable. So, but so you, you see your presents and it would have on there addressed to Josh, love mum and dad. Oh, to Carmel, much love mum and dad. To Liana, to Mariah, and you know what I mean? We get the picture. To the children from mum and dad. So in my family, Santa was fake news. In my family, Santa gave me nothing. All of the presents would well and truly before Christmas would be under that tree from my parents, right? So there's some context for you. So a good Christian family, Santa meant nothing to us. And so then in Mount Barker where I grew up, they'd have a thing called the Christmas pageant, similar to in Port Lincoln, and they'd have like, you know, the floats at Trinorama, like that, but at Christmas time. So there's all these floats going past, and it's like, yeah, all the free candy and water sprayed at your face, whatever, whatever happens. And so at this particular Christmas pageant, I was at home, because I didn't want to be at the Christmas pageant. But my three sisters were with another family friend and went to the pageant. And to the, um, the absolute honour for my sisters, um, Santa came up um, pageanting along. I don't know what the right word is. <laughs> pageanting along. And um, after it, they, they got to actually talk to Santa and tell him what they wanted for Christmas. And so, that, so, so what a privilege they had, right? And so my younger sister, Liana... She would have been like this high. So however old that is, maybe this high, somewhere. And so she, she's, she gets to go to Santa, goes on Santa's um, knee. What would you want for Christmas, little girl? Right? So Leanna's on there. And so we know what's happening, right? We know we are Santa for our wildest dreams, yes? We're, I want that, that princess dress. Or, or I really want a new iPad. Or I just want an iPad. Or... or I really would love a puppy, right? We know that you are Santa because Santa has the capacity to supply your wildest imagination dreams for Christmas, yes? So there's Santa sitting down with my sister, my little sister Liana. What would you want for Christmas, little darling girl? A glass of water? And so, and so Santa's like, okay, okay, you've been out in this hot sun watching this beautiful pageant. You're obviously a little bit parched. We'll, we'll give you a juice box. But what do you want for Christmas? I want a glass of water. So Liana had no perception, had no capacity in her understanding to understand that Santa could provide her wildest dreams. She missed it. She missed her chance. Because obviously we know Australia Post, the, the letters don't really get to get there very quickly. So Santa, so Santa, um, so Santa was was right there, you didn't need to give him the letter, you could tell him, but Liana missed her shot. But Ezra was unlike Liana. Ezra knew that he could talk to a king and the king could give him his wildest dreams. He could say, king, I need this. King, I need that. Like Oprah, everyone's getting a car. Ezra had the capacity and the understanding to ask for things and he had the favour of God on his life to be able to receive them. Right, so... And just for a little bit more understanding of where we are, so the book of Ezra, you, if you turn a little bit right, you'll see the book of Nehemiah. Historically, in the original language, that was one book. In our English translation, we've split it 
for our own reasons. And then it's similar, if you're familiar with the Bible, you, you might have heard of the, the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Acts. Again, they're actually one, one letter, one book, but they've been split just in our English Bibles. And so the book of Ezra and Nehemiah tell of three expeditions of people going from Babylon back to Jerusalem, back to their promised holy land that God gave them as a people, right? And so if you have your, if you have your Bible, you might be familiar of a person called Jeremiah in the book of Jeremiah. And so he was a prophet. And Je- so the, the nation of Judah and Israel, Israel, so what happened, they were one country, they split due to issues. And then uh, we're no longer worrying about Israel, but now we're focusing on Judah. And Judah had been naughty boys and girls. They'd been getting in trouble and God's like, You've been naughty, and I can't let your naughtiness go unpunished. I've got to act and do something. And so because of that, this is what Jeremiah basically says. He predicts that the nation of Judah would fall to the Babylonian Empire. The city of Jerusalem and its temple would be destroyed, and the Jews would march into exile. But there was hope. And so uh, after 70 years, Jeremiah also predicts that the Jews would return to Judah, repopulate Jerusalem, and then rebuild the temple. So that's some context. Then you go to the book of Daniel, and Daniel was a poor sucker, one of the poor suckers that was, got exiled. And so then he gets exiled, he starts growing older, as we do, and he's now an old man, and he's reading his version of the scriptures, and he's seeing how, um, that he's reading about Jeremiah, and he's going, gets his calculator, the 70 years is almost up. I've been exiled in Babylon for 70 years, and according to Jeremiah, everything else has happened, I'm now in Babylon. But there's going to be coming a time now where we get to go back to Jerusalem. We can go back and repopulate and build the temple and all those things. And so then we see in Daniel chapter 9, he prays and says, God, um, you've been, we've been naughty, we've been in uh, Babylon, but now it's time for you to be able to be true to Jeremiah's promise and we're going to go back to Jerusalem. And so then, as I said, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah show us three uh, separate journeys of groups of people pilgrimaging or exiling back, whatever the right word is, to the Holy Land, Jerusalem. And so the first one was led by Zerubbabel. The second expedition was led by Ezra. And the third expedition was led by Nehemiah. And so we're focusing in on that second journey of of, um, Israelites or Jews, we should say, moving back to their promised land, their holy land of Israel. So that's where we're at. So now if we want to go to the next chapter of Ezra, we're going to go to Ezra chapter 8, and we're going to focus on the verses 21 to 23. And so I'm going to read. It says this, And there by the Ahava Canal, I have orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before our God. Ezra speaking. And so we prayed that he would give us safe journey and protect us, our children and our goods, as we traveled. For I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us and protect us from enemies along the way. After all, we had told the king our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him, but his fierce anger rages against those who abandoned him. So we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us, and he heard our prayer. 
Wow. And so I want us to focus in on verses 22. And so there's two thoughts from today's message that I want us to get a hold of from what we're going to read. So verse 22 again, For I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us and protect us from our enemies along the way. After all, we had told the king our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him, but his fierce anger rages against those who abandoned him. In the ESV translation, English Standard Version, it says, For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way. Since we have told the king that uh, the hand of our God is for the good on all who seek him, and the power of his wrath is against all who forsake him. And finally, the message Bible, I love how it says this at the start, I was embarrassed to ask the king for, cavalry, for a cavalry bodyguard to protect us from bandits on the road. We had just uh, told the king, our, God's, our God lovingly looks after all those who seek him, but he turns away in disgust from those who leave him. Wow. So fort one, Ezra knew who his God was. Ezra knew his God. That's thought number one. And so if we go to the book of Mark, uh, Mark, the book of Matthew, sorry, chapter 16, the book of Matthew, chapter 16, it's one of my favorite uh, scriptures in the Bible. Youth often hear me talk about it. So Jesus is hanging with his crew. He's with his disciples and, he's, and he proposes them a question. He fires them a question and he goes, disciples, who do people say I am? And then they go, well, Jesus, I heard the person down the road reckons you're Jeremiah. The person living next to me thinks you might be John the Baptist. The other person next to me here at church thinks you're this person. And so all the the disciples are saying, some say this, some say that, some say this. They were saying everyone had an opinion on who Jesus was. And so... uh, a few months ago, we had this thing called Youth Alive Conference. Our youth ministry went to that. It was awesome. Any youth, give me a witness. Yeah. And so that was really exciting. And so uh, we, I drove this van. We parked it up at the church out the front there, emptied it out. All the youth were gone. It was me, lonely. And I was, I'm, cleaning, I'm cleaning this van out because obviously I want to leave it in better condition than we found it. And then these two kids tear down the car park on these push bikes, come up to the concrete there, and they start firing all these questions at me. Is this a church? Um, who, who's Jesus? And they start firing me all these little questions here and there and everywhere. But it's funny, because they were twins, they were answering each other's questions. They're like, um, is this a church? Oh, yes, of course it's a church. Um, and they're like, who's Jesus? Isn't Jesus fake? And so for them, these two little twins thought Jesus was a fairy tale. They thought he was a made-up story. Um, but then, and so... It's interesting. So everyone can have an opinion about Jesus. Just finishing off the story of those twins for you. And then they're like, can we come in? I'm like, yeah, come in. And it was all dark. Turn the lights on. They're like, wow. And then they saw the drum kit. And this one kid's like, there's a drum kit? I've always wanted to play a drum kit. And I'm like, oh, look. No, he says, he sees it. He says, can I play? I'm like, oh, look, sorry, mate. You can't. And he's like, oh, I've always wanted to play a drum kit. I'm like, all right, then. Go have a, sorry, Pastor Jimmy. Um, so this kid had a jump. And then the baptism tank was open because we're having a baptism the following Sunday. And they're like, what's this big bathtub thing here? And I'm like, it's a baptism tank. So I spoke, taught him about baptism and all this. And they're like, oh, hopefully we'll come tomorrow. They haven't come yet. But that was cool. So, but to the point, everybody has an opinion on Jesus. Whether he's a fairy tale, whether he was a historical figure that worked walk the earth, or whether he's our Lord and Saviour. And so then Jesus then flips a question and goes, okay, you know what other people think about Jesus, but what do you 
disciples say that I am. Then Peter pipes up and he passes the test and he goes, well, I believe you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Translation, I believe that you're the saviour of the world. You've come down to earth to be able to make me right with God again. And so Peter passed the test. And so Ezra knew who God was and Peter knew who Jesus was. And so do we know who God is? We can know the facts but do we actually know who he is? For, for Ezra, God was a protector. God was faithful. For Peter, Jesus was the son of God. He was the, the one that makes us right with God. And so, yeah, who is God? And so for, we come to church and we sing many songs. We say he's redeemer, he's protector, all those things. And so things that we might sing about, because that's what we believe God is, these things could be Jesus could be our saviour, God could be our protector, our healer, our provider, our redeemer, our restorer. They're all the errors I could think of. Um, and so there's so many things that we sing about who we believe Jesus is, who we believe God is for our lives. We don't just sing it because it sounds good, because it rhymes. We sing it because we believe that's who he is. Yes? Yes. And it, I can tell you, it's so easy to preach this but it's another thing to live it. It's easy to talk about it, but it's not another thing to walk in it. And so, um, so let's break this down. If we look at God is my provider, it's easy, to, it's easy for us to preach that God is my, my provider. Like an uh, example could be, um, the Bible says, ha, that God will open the windows of heaven, ha. Like we can, we can preach that, right? Who knows what I'm talking about? We, we, we can quote scripture, we can quote scripture so easily. But there comes a point where I know what the Bible says, but then I actually got to get my wallet out of my pocket, let the moths fly out, right? And then grab 10% and chuck it in the one heart giving station. It's easy for me to talk about it. It's easy to say, oh yeah, God provides, but do I, do I live what I talk? Do I walk in what I talk? It's easy to say God provides. It's another thing to go, well, I'm actually going to give 10% of my income and see if God's going to provide in my life. And so I don't just want to be a Christian. I don't just want to be a, a disciple that can, can preach and talk scripture, but then not walk in my life, right? Oh, this is, my, this is a good quote. I heard it this week. A.W. Tozer, a famous like, preacher, pastor from America, said this, Christians don't lie. They just go to church and sing them. Now, I don't know about you, but that hits me in the chest, in my heart. Christians don't tell lies. They just go to church and sing them. So if we're singing, Jesus, you're my provider. Jesus, you're my restorer. Jesus, you're my healer. Jesus, you are faithful. All the, We can be preaching about how good God is, but then we can be living a lie because we're not actually, it's not a reflection of my life. If God can heal, if God can move, if God can do awesome things, in my and I sing about it on a Sunday, but I don't actually live like it on Monday. I'm living a lie. And I don't want to be a, I want to be a Christian. I want to be a disciple that doesn't just speak truth and then live a lie. I want to speak truth and walk in truth. Amen? Yeah, yeah let's get it. So, uh, and so, yeah, uh, we want, and so another thing as well, we could easily go, well, um, living a life of faith, we could say, well, God, here I am. Use me. I'm available. And then God says, all right then, I want you to move eight hours away, uproot your family, get a new job, get paid less. And then we might go, oh, well, I didn't mean that. I meant give me a microphone so I can preach at church. But, or, or uh, God, here I am, use me, I'm available. Okay then, um, why don't you, after the service, do some vacuuming? Oh, why don't you uh, take someone out for lunch and disciple them? 
oh, so that's going to cost me money more than my own lunches. But there comes a thing in our life where we got to take a step forward and go, um, if I said God can use me, I'm going to live and let God use me. And so I don't just want to sing things, yeah, here I am, I'm available, and then tomorrow be like, oh, well, that's awkward. That required some sacrifice because I want to speak the truth and live the truth. Thought two, uh, the conversation in Ezra's head. So he embarrassed Ezra. And so in 8.22 again, it said, it, we, we, I love it because it, it lets us in on the internal mind process, the conversation in his head. And so we don't just read about the events of what happened. We don't just hear, well, he's in Babylon and he traveled to Jerusalem. We actually get the snapshot of the conversation circling in his brain, in his thought life. And so um, for me, um, and I'm sure we would all be able to relate to this. Um, sometimes our vocabulary doesn't always match the dialogue in here. Example, sometimes I, these comments come my way. Um, sorry I'm late. Or it could be, um, I hope you don't mind. And now the, the, the ticking over in the side of me is going, how dare you? Like, what? You, you, you will be sorry. But, then the out, you, but we know the outside is like, Oh, that's okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I, I totally understand. But we know the inside's like, set your alarm earlier. I have a life too, you know. You know what I mean? It's easy for our, our dialogue to be different to the internal uh, ticking over of our mind. And so, uh, but, and that's what I love about this situation in Ezra, because we actually, we're not just seeing this, the outside oh, look, he's living so happily. We're seeing the process of what he's thinking about in his mind. And so we started looking at Ezra 7, 6, and we saw that he could ask the king for anything, and it was his, because he had favor on his life. He had the favor that if he talked to the king, the king was like, yep, it's yours, take it. Um, and then so then we get to then 8.22, and it says, whatever I, I ask the king, he gives me. But then it was like, he says, God has given me dangerous favor with authority, with the authority, like with the authority of the land, I've I've got so much favor. It's dangerous because I can shift my trust from God onto the king. I can I can shift my focus from God onto soldiers. And Ezra's like, no, no, I don't want to live a life that I talk about God one way and live like another. Does that make sense? And so I've said this before. The story about not too bad. And so I work at a poultry shop. So um, if you need someone to stitch you up, I got you covered. But so I'm serving a customer, I'm serving a customer, and we, you do the old greeting. How are you, Jasmine? And then Jasmine May said back, customer Jasmine said back, hey, how are you going, Pastor Josh? Not too bad. And then the, the ticker's going in my head going, what am I saying? I, my body's functioning. Look, yep, my body works, there's no pain. Awesome. I'm getting paid today. Awesome. I ate food today. Awesome. So if my life is good, why am I measuring my life on the bad scale? It doesn't make any sense. Because if I believe God is good and he blesses my life, why am I acting as if life should be bad? Why am I measuring my life on the bad scale? And so I had that conviction. I had an ashamedness. I had an embarrassment come upon my life. I'm like, if I'm a Christian and I believe these things, why is my language saying something else? I got embarrassed and ashamed as a Christian for saying not too bad when my life is good. And, but Ezra goes full beast mode. He, goes, he does this full spiritual flex. And he, he wasn't concerned if his words match his belief. 
He was concerned that his life reflected what he said. He took it a step further. And so, because uh, he, he, he was saying, am I a spiritual hypocrite or do I have spiritual integrity? And so that, that's the question we've got to ask ourselves. Am I, do I have a, 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 a view from God and I'm a hypocrite because I believe it, but I don't truly believe it? I know it, but I don't believe it. Or do I have integrity and I live like I know who God is? And so, uh, yeah, and so it was embarrassing. And so we see here, Ezra, in some of those trans- translations, said he was ashamed to ask the king. But I love it in the message how it says he was embarrassed. And it wasn't because it was a silly request. So we, obviously, that journey from Babylon to Israel, there was bandits, there was, there was naughty, evil people wanting to sabotage and, and, and wreck them on their journey. And so it wasn't a silly request to ask for, for soldiers. But it was a, a thing for Ezra where he decided, this goes beyond just my physical needs, but this takes me to a supernatural level where do I truly believe in God? Do I truly believe that he can protect me? And so that's why, and so that's, he got into a position where he goes, I've, I've preached truth, I've preached victory to the king, but now it's time for me to not just preach to him, but walk in victory and have integrity because that's what I want to do. And so if the music team wants to come back, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, I'm sure we're all familiar with it. It talks, says that we walk by faith and not by sight. And so if we want to, and I want to be a church, I want One Heart Church to be a church of believers that don't just walk by sight, but we walk by faith. And I can tell you, it's easy to walk by sight. Oh, well, that job pays more. Oh, oh my family's there. My friend works there. It's another thing to work, walk by faith and where God says, I want you to work there because that, that place needs Jesus. I want you to move down that street because that street needs Jesus. It's easy to walk. That house looks ugly. That, that's not that's not a nice area to live but if we're walking by faith do we make the step or do we just go I'll I'll do the comfortable uh, sight decision and so what was Ezra doing we talked about it at the start Ezra was embarking on a dangerous journey uh, bringing people back from Babylon to their ancestral home Jerusalem the promised holy land that's what he's doing he was about to embark on a dangerous journey bringing people with him Uh, to their ancestral home, Jerusalem, the Holy Land, Holy City kind of thing. And now, to me, as I was studying this over the last few years, it sounds familiar to to me. That there reminds me of something that I've just said. And so I'm a Christian, I'm a disciple, I'm on a journey somewhere. And, and, And... on along the way, it is dangerous. Where's my, so Ezra was heading to Jerusalem, the Holy Land. I'm heading to heaven, uh, an eternal land, yes? And what the, if we read the Bible, the Bible tells us that heaven is called by something else, the new Jerusalem. And so Ezra is traveling to the, the old Jerusalem. He's heading on a dangerous embarkment. Well, I, as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus, I'm also on a journey on a de- to a destination called the New Jerusalem, heaven, eternal life. And I think there's a few similarities here that we've got to learn from Ezra. And so uh, we are called to a dangerous life. To be a Christian, to be a disciple is not meant to be safe and comfortable. The Bible doesn't say, now that you're a Christian, get your, your doona out and, or your quilt out, turn on the electric blanket and get cuddly. No, we're called to a dangerous life, a life of faith. Amen. And so 
um, we, if we wanted to, we've got to take faith steps, not the easy steps. And so uh, 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And so we've got to understand that on our journey to eternity, on our journey to heaven, the new Jerusalem, there's an enemy looking to destroy us. There's an enemy looking to sabotage us. Where we had the faith to go, I, I believe that this friend could get saved. And then the enemy wants to come in and go, there's a bit of doubt there. There's a bit of fear there. There's a bit of this and that there. How can I derail this person? How can I derail that person? But we've got to have the eyes of faith and go, back off devil. That's why I often speak about it. I need that that Holy Ghost feeling speaking in tongues because when the devil comes into my mind where I'm wanting to live by faith, not by sight, I've got to go, I've got to build myself up in that faith. And go, devil, get out of my mind, get out of my heart because I want to walk by faith, not by sight. And I'm going to build myself up. Does speaking in tongues get into heaven? No, but it helps me walk victoriously on the way there. And so I, the Bible that I read clearly tells me it's not a gift for some, it's a gift for all. And I, I believe if we can get activated in that church, that we'll be able to, when the enemy wants to come and derail us, we can say, get out of my head because God's got something better in mind for me. But then I said earlier, we looked at the, the question that Jesus asked his disciples, who does man say I am? And then Peter replies um, in Matthew 16, uh, Peter replies, well, you are Jesus the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus continues and says, but blessed are you, uh, Peter, because man didn't reveal it to you. You got the revelation from heaven. You got a download from heaven. And then he says, now you have authority. This is me paraphrasing. You have authority. And, and then the ESV, it says that the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Now, that's interesting to me. The, ga the gates of hell will not prevail against you. And so what it's saying is, don't be worried about the attacks of the enemy, but we, we, be wary. But It's not meant to cripple us with fear and worry, but it's saying that the enemy should be more afraid of us. Because once we get, when we understand who Jesus is, when we know who Jesus is, we will walk differently. We'll walk in victory. And we say, you know what, devil? My foot's here. Ta-ta, my foot's here. You don't belong here. And so, yes, the enemy wants to come at us. But when we actually understand who Jesus is and we walk, we don't just preach about it. When we walk in it, we say, devil, you got to go because the gates of hell do not prevail here. So the enemy, the devil thinks, well, this household here on my street, the devil thinks this belongs to me. This is hell's house. This is th these people on their journey to hell. But I go, uh, 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 that friend's coming with me to heaven. That person's going to go on the pilgrimage with me back to the new Jerusalem and that gate of hell has to be broken and gone because that's what the Bible says. But do I just preach it or do I have the capacity to live it, right? And walk in it. Matthew 28, I've said it so many times before, uh, talks about the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. And that's what the, the Christian life isn't simply just purely, well, I've, I've got my ticket to heaven and that's all. Now I'm just waiting for Jesus to return or, the, or for me to meet him first. No, the Christian life is actually about making disciples and breaking those gates of hell and saying, no, 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 come with me. No, 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 there's a gate of hell here. No, no, come with me because we're going on the journey to heaven, right? Thank you, Mark. And so here's another thing. I'm a citizen of Australia. I should have brought it with me. I got a passport when I had my blonde hair from the youth thing. Never mind. So that's the way I look at my passport. I'm like, 
Youth, youth ministry. So I got my passport and it says I'm an Australian citizen. But supernaturally, I'm no longer a citizen of earth. I'm not a, I can't be a citizen of America, China. I'm a citizen of heaven. When I got born again, I said, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Lead me, guide me, dangerous or safe. You tell me I want to be available. I was then transported my, my supernatural, spiritual, wherever it's kept in God's realm. Certificate says, earth, heaven. My, my address now is heaven. That's my home. That's where I am going. That's where I belong. And it can be the same for all of us here too. And so we, as I said, the Great Commission, we've got to go make disciples. And I've said this before as well. You've probably heard many preachers say it. Our job as Christians is to plunder hell and populate heaven. And so we want to be seeing supernatural uh, embassies like citizenship change, citizenship change, citizenship change, because we're seeing the hell plundered and hell populated because we're living in victory. We're not just preaching it, but we're walking in it, church. Do we believe that in this place? Yes. And so... As disciples of Jesus, to live in victory requires dependence on God. And so One Heart Church, it's time that we get a healthy shame, that we get a healthy uh, embarrassment, not that we're living like, oh, woe is to me, but we're going, oh, if I'm a Christian, that way of talking does not belong in my mouth anymore. That way of thinking does not belong in my way anymore. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron. You've got to get around leaders and say, leader, what is, is what am I saying line up with the Bible? Is what I'm thinking about lining up with the Bible? Because we want to be a church that doesn't just talk victory and quote scripture. It's easy to quote scripture. It's easy to sing scripture, but live a lie. We want to be a church that's activated with the power of God, that the, that the that gates of hell get plundered, that poorly can get saved. I'm not just, I had the opportunity to move to Adelaide. I heard from God. I made the uncomfortable decision to stay. And I'm here because I believe that there's streets all around Port Lincoln. There's issues all around Port Lincoln that can be changed because of the power of God comes upon them. But it takes an activated church that says, I'm not just here preaching victory on a Sunday, but I'm going to decide to walk in it. Not talking it, but walking it on a Monday. So why don't we stand, church? I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe God can help us uh, live that kind of life. Amen. Let's raise our hands right now. Let's just raise our hands right now. God in heaven, we thank you that you hear our prayer. God, we want to be an Ezra generation. Just like Ezra was on a journey from uh, to a physical Jerusalem, we are on a, a journey to the spiritual New Jerusalem. God, uh, just as our citizenship has been changed, God, we want our life to reflect that. We're no longer content living a life of Christianity, like Christianity, we want to be disciples of you. God, we pray that we make uncomfortable decisions, God. I pray that you start stirring us, that we be the person that walks by faith and not by sight. God, I pray that we get, we take those uh, glasses of the natural off our lives, God, and put on the new supernatural glasses. God, that the church we see today is not the church I see. I see a church of faith, God. I see a church where two services is no longer enough. I see a church, God, where, where, where it is flourishing and growing, where people that were on a road to evil, God, are on a road to health where people are on a road to prison, are on a road to owning a business. And God, we believe that our schools can be changed, where bullying and gossip rules, God, that love and friendship, uh, where, where, where uh, the art, they say, just commit suicide.
know that Paul are going to be changed. That people say, no, that is not the answer. Whereas the, our society saying, just support the kid. No, no, they are loved and valued by you, God. But God, we don't just want to be a church that knows the Bible, can talk the Bible. God, may it be reflected in our life. All right, let's sing, church.